Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Welcome to Young Hearts Run Free podcast. We're on season five, episode thirteen. We have an absolute belter of an episode for you this week. I'm John Cassidy. He's Stephen Watt. Let's find out how Stevie Boy is doing. What's happening, Stephen? I am good, John. Thank you very much. Um, I am, well, we've recorded this podcast already. This is just our weekly babble, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, actually, I'm looking forward to listening to this podcast back, which you might hate today two or three times, or maybe even more. I definitely, we use the term and we refer to this as well, golden nuggets. There are golden nuggets galore, but they come at some rate in this episode. Um, wow, more on the that, cadence more on, is high. The cadence is high. There's a song in there. More on that later, and we'll introduce the, the guest, as you now can, if you've read the show notes, what's coming. However, with a number of other wee things we've got to speak about. Yeah. What's, what's top of your list? Top of my list is racing. Racing is back. Oh, it is, eh? It's, it's well back. It's well and truly back. Yeah, but the big numbers are flying about. 5Ks, 10Ks, Black Rocks, Ultras, yep. Marathons, the hail, the hail shooting match. And last weekend was no exception that there was a, um, looked a cracking day out up in Highland Pershire at the Catarin Trail, 55 miler. Um, yeah. Looked a really, really well organised, well run, well run in many ways, respects, event mm-hmm. that was um, enjoyed by the, I think it was a hundred or so who who started. Uh-huh. We're, we're going to have to, one of us or both of us is going to have to get our foot on the route on the Catarin Trail. Like I'm talking about wearing a bib at some point, haven't we? Absolutely, I've got it on my, I've got it on my list. Cool, Abby, you've got a healthy list, man. I well, I've I've got lists of biscuits that I need to try. More on that later. <laughs> I've got lists of chili jam <laughs> that I've tried, and I've also got a list of races that I should do at some point in this short time that I'm on the planet. Oh man, right, okay, so that should be your first list, well, you can combine them, you can take your biscuit list and combine that with your race list as fueling, you can that's do good. that. I like that. Yeah, and you've also got that list of books, oh no, sorry, that's not your list, that's not your list, right, okay. Books. Right, races, let's let's focus a bit more on races and that Cataran Trail, we mentioned um, Frank McGaffney last week with regards mm-hmm. to the Cataran Trail, how did Frank get on? Frank, what is it they call it? Crushed it. Oh man, brilliant. He done really well. He got his aspirational finish time. Yeah, I think had some race ups and lows, but persevered and got to the finish line and was able to muster up a pretty healthy looking sprint. And he, I noticed that he came over the line and, and gained a bit of the whoopa which is always a good sign. So he's had a great day out. And I, I know a few other guys who were running. Daniel Kershaw was running, a recent guest as well. Um, all the feedback on social media looks like it's been a fantastic event. So well done yeah. to the organisers. Yeah, I think it was um, Dave Andrews just last week mentioned about 
something that is, I'd forgotten about, the Sums Ultras, you know, the Scottish oh, right. They've mentioned that, the Catalan certainly was part of that, you know, yeah. and there used to be a list that your name would appear on that, and it was like a league table, wasn't it, you know? It was, uh, it was. I, it's almost, as soon as he mentioned it, I remembered it, I'd completely right. forgotten about it, and then I thought, when, when I first started doing Ultras, and it'll be the same for you, John, that Sums thing was quite a thing. It was, was quite a, the focal point. It was one of the things you added to your favourites in your web browser, wasn't it? Absolutely. And I know, you know, it would have taken a fair bit of overhead just to do that for, for no any probably reward. And if the people who were doing it, you know, had a change in priorities in their life, then, you know, or, or whatever. Um, but I almost hanker after it a wee bit you now after thinking about it. Hi, yeah, it's one. Of the, you're right. It's one of these things that I totally until Dave mentioned it. It was almost like it's one of these times when somebody's not quite finished the sentence, and you go, "Oh man," you know. Yeah. It was one of them. So it's yeah. Scottish ultra marathon series. I think so. I think right. so. But but yeah, the the, the carom is part of that, and there's been the carom is one of these things. It must it must have collided with someone else in the race calendar that neither you or I have been there or thereabouts so yeah. um it's definitely something we'll look to get yeah. to in the near future also notice as well we spoke about it last week that the, the fling ended up as a first come first serve thing i think there was more invites were available than the devil the devil of the highlands sorry yes you're quite right not the fling the, the devil of the highlands we were speaking last week about it being first come first served i think it still was but i think there was more places available eventually over the weekend than first anticipated so if you got your place in the devil of the highlands good luck to you hope your training started because um it's a challenging wee course isn't it it's a challenging wee course and it's a, a it's got a wee couple of wee spiky bits but it's great as well as we spoke about last week so if you've managed to snag a place in that get the training and get the vert and wee bit extra vert maybe if, unless you already do that um, yep. and you'll have a, a great day out most definitely other races we do speak about we mentioned you and i were discussing off air as we do um the Mori way was on the way on the way on the go last weekend as well wasn't it it was that was last weekend and um again it looks like it's been another great event for kyle and debbie um up in murray and yeah it's well, you know how much I enjoyed the um, their event that I did last year, mostly. You've got a wee affinity up there now. You've got a wee, a wee emotional attachment to the Murray Way now, haven't you? So yeah, I have, I have, and and yeah, and I'll I'll do that Murray Way fifty at one point as well. It's getting it all in, um, but yeah, I think we had some people running it that we know. Who the weekend it was in the the Murray Way, Stephen? None other than friend of the show, supporter of the show and supplier of cupcakes, oh. amongst other treats from that area of Scotland Karen Much and Karen has, I think got in the podium oh, Go on yourself Karen Much, what oh. happened? Tell me, tell me this, the script What do you mean? She, she, she cheekily grabbed second place in a photo finish Oh, fantastic, man. So she must have had some dig left in her at the end if it's a photo finish. She must have done. So, yeah, second place for Karen. Well done. That is absolutely brilliant, man. Well done, Karen, much. Um, big shout out to you 
um, and also everybody else that took part in the in the Mori Way. I yep. think I've seen Karen much. I think she's in for the West Highland Way, Karen much. Sure. She's not trying to hide it or nothing, but she's uh, putting in some heavy graft, shall we say, in preparation for the West Highland Way. So fair play to you. Keep yeah. it going. And then the other event that's been run, a non-weekend, we, we're into the territory of midweek races now because the the daylight is with us till later. Um, mm. So, John, this was an event that, that you did, did manage to bag the, the superstar for the start oh, I think it's I know where you're going with this. The Antonine Trail Race. Yeah, adversity had has meant that you've been able to know, make the big trip through to... Through to Croy. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was... I contacted the race directors um, earlier in the week. After my positive chat last week, I had a wee potential flare-up um, last weekend. And I, I said to them, I've got... I've got to try and somehow salvage my 2022. So I wasn't wanting to risk it by going through and doing that. I've had a wee jog out since then and my leg was fine. I've got to figure out if my niggle is in my head or in my leg. So that's what I've got to figure out. But I think the Antonine Trail Race, I've seen some brilliant photographs for that and it's it's got a good vibe um, and it's a great place. I'd just love to go and see that big metal head. Can that Sylvanus they've got? Yeah. Big, I'd love to go and see that. Um, so it will happen in the future. We'll be back, but well done everybody again who was out there. It was warm. That was on Wednesday night. It was warm on Wednesday night this week. We're getting that sort of for listeners outside of Scotland. We're getting that sort of humid type weather now, aren't we? Oh, wow. it's at least fifteen degrees. Um, uh, that sticky stuff. We're not used to up here. So um, more on that later too. More on that. But you know what? There was also there was a big thing happening. Or in where was it now? Rettert in Germany. Oh, in the Germany. Backyard. Yeah, yeah, just outside Frankfurt. Yeah. Um there was one of the backyard ultras on. The title was the race of champions. How would we know at that? Anyway. But there was a new what's the term we use? World's best performance. Is that what we're Yeah, yeah world's best performance. A backyard ultra because obviously they're not all ran on the same course. There'll be different elevations and undulations that happen, but it's the same length of course that happens all across the world. We shout out to the Orkney backyard ultra that's happening this this summer. And I think there's still there's less than ten places left, I believe. Ah, it's getting to the business end. If you want to throw your hat in the ring, it's also yeah. um, going to be a epic first occasion up in the yeah. Orkney Islands. And I tell you something, Sarah and Erica will be up to high dough in case it lasts as long as that ended in Germany. I <laughs> they'll need a lot of tatty mole to keep folk going if that's the case. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I hope I say this chap's name correctly, a Belgian guy, Marine Geertz, I'm going to go for. He did 90 yards or 90 laps that's 90 times just over four miles, by the way. Um, he covered in kilometres a total of 603.5 kilometres in uh, 55 hours. Un- quite unbelievable, so, man. Just to clarify, 55 hours was 
his moving time. That's that was his moving time, but yeah. he was he was out there for ninety hours. Ninety hours he was out there because you start a lap every hour. Yeah. No, that's just what's that like six hours short of four days. You do the math, Stevie boy. I'll, I'll agree with you, man. I'll agree with and, you. And I was watching it play out and on Twitter and Facebook and things like that, going, and I was trying to think to myself, what even can you do to train for that event? Like, that isn't just actually doing other events, other backyard ultras. Do you know, that's And they are, do you know, it's the race of champions, so it's folk who have done well at other ones and da-da-da-da. So, but the whole thing is an experiment on the body, isn't it? It's just like Aye. sleep deprivation, fueling it. It's, it's just like, it's nuts. Sorry, it, it's nuts. It is. It definitely is. And you're right. How to prepare for that physically, I don't know how you can prepare to run for 90 hours. He was averaging 49 minutes per yard. So he's out running for, on average, 49 minutes. And he's got roughly 10, between... 10 and 11 minutes to, to rest up. And then you start again. They blow the, they blow the horn or the whistle and you start again 90 times. There, you, there is no way to prepare for that apart from do it. You know? Exactly. That's and, what I think. You can build up strength, endurance, mental resilience, all these things. But at the end of the day, and, and then I think to myself, there's only, like, to have the luxury to be able to do that in terms of, it's not a profession. <laughs> ah, <laughs> like ah. we're talking professionals here so these people will have day jobs I'd imagine um, that they're then still pushing the body to this outer 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 limit is Aye. just makes it all the more incredible when you think about it it's no they're no backed by funding for governments and Olympians and ah. you know it's it, Maybe they're they just, are. Maybe they do get some sponsorship. I don't know, but I'm sure they won't get lavished. No, I don't think so. I don't, they've got that sort of premier or elite status that they get all that sort of money thrown at them. But it's it's quite astonishing that people can... The simple fact that you're awake for 90 hours. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, oh. maybe, maybe they're doing the power naps for two or three minutes. They might be doing that sort of thing somewhere along the way. But... Um, and the thing is with this, there's only one winner, isn't there? One person places. But you know what? There's the one winner, but like it's like goal scoring at fit, boy. You always need an assister. Oh, aye. And the the top assist, and this time, we all can't f- number and name and face on the Backyard Masters um, series was Keith Russell from Ireland, who... Did one less yard. He did 89, but it's called an assist for him. Yeah. Brilliant. And prior to that, it was 85 was the standing record. So both Keith and Merian. Merian? Yeah. Yeah, we'll go have, with that. Yeah. Have, have completely obliterated that. So um, massive well done to them. Um, and just before we move off this, I noticed, John, did you see their aid stations at this backyard? No. Give me that. Right. Tell me, tell me what was happening, man. This is the detail, right? One thing, the cost to enter this is free, so the race is free of charge, but it's by invite only, and to get in, you need to be good at long distance running. Yeah. Okay? So yeah. we're maybe teetering on the brink at this point, right? <laughs> However, at the aid station, runners get isotonic energy drink, water, beer, because we're in Germany, daily fresh bread, 
Okay, so the bread is replenished daily. Brilliant, man. And pretzels. This is right. your salty bit. The salty bit's covered. And supporters can get it as well after filling a donation box. And during the day, the barbecue is fired up and steaks and German sausages are available. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> how, much, how much have you got to donate as a supporter? <laughs> I don't know, but like, I, I don't know. Like, you, can, you can cheapy flight out to Germany if they're <laughs> looking for a wee bit of court jesters or anything to G up folk. And then we're, we're at your disposal. <laughs> I wonder how many sausages I could eat. Anyway, that's a different oh, thing. Brilliant. But, but anyway, the main thing is that the world best performance has been achieved. And one of the things that we speak about with this week's guest as well, who will just, you, you can who it is, it's Sam Amend. One of the things we speak about is about nudging your comfort zone and your boundaries. And now that somebody's done 90 yards, you just can. There's some crazy person oh. out there going, I'm going to beat that. hundred, and that's what the whole phenomenon is all about. Not just in backyard ultras, but everything, isn't it? It's yeah, you know, yeah. Put yourself think, up there. I think, I don't know, it was, was it Harvey Lewis who broke the record last year with 85 yards? And that people were like, that, that, you know, that'll never be beaten, never be beaten. There you go. Uh, there's a challenge. Hold my beer, as they say. Let I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> so I brilliant. So that's that done. And then there's been a big biscuit chat, man, on the old young heart from free Twitter. It has yeah. kind of exploded after. How did we segue into the biscuit thing? I think I, think I mentioned a rocky biscuit, and it's just ah, was that crazy ah, for that, man. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned a rocky, and then it, it was a post that we put up on Twitter to see what Bobby's favourite biscuit biscuit was and folk get quite passionate about their biscuit loves <laughs> definitely there's been over 40 responses to that it's our, it's our most I think ever engaged with post after sorry that's not true the stuff we had when you were in Boston was quite heavily engaged with but I was getting lots of likes and I, acknowledgement that, this was getting discussion Kit Kat well there's a side, wee side discussion there's a is a Kit Kat two finger even worth speaking about? Has it got to be a four finger? And if, if you've not got a four finger, do you eat two twos? Do you know? So there's all you that know, sort of chat going on. You're never going to dive in for one Kit Kat, are you? Without feeling that you're, you're kind of underwhelmed. I'm glad you said that, man, because I've been having an ongoing discussion at home over a decade now since they started selling these single Twix things, right? A Twix was always a two bar. That's the deal. You get two bits of Twix and that's it. So in the biscuit barrel, Johnny Boy fires a hand in, takes two singles, and every single time, why are you taking two then? Because that's a Twix. <laughs> so there you go. But every time without fail, I get challenged on that. So um, but I've always thought as a four-finger Kit Kat as a wee bit of a treat. Okay, I mean, I love that. But, uh -huh. but there's loads in there. Gold bar. I think you mentioned a gold bar. Oh, aye. Yeah, I did. A gold bar. I like a gold bar. Jaffa cake. Is it a cake or is it a biscuit? That's, to me, it's a biscuit. I keep it in beside the biscuits, no the cakes. No, I've I'm, got a special place that I keep cakes, but I've got a special place that I keep biscuits. Aye. Dark chocolate biscuits. Not just milk chocolate, but dark. There's a, some folk like dark chocolate biscuits. Now, like the gingers. Oh, man. When you're Borders. talking about Borders ginger biscuits with dark chocolate in them. 
I'm, I'm actually starting to salivate again, as you can probably tell. Some folk keep their biscuits in the fridge. Where do you keep your spark into life here, isn't it? <laughs> Where do you keep your biscuits, your chocolate biscuits? Personally, I keep them in the um, the biscuit cupboard. <laughs> oh, brilliant! A, a biscuit cupboard. Keep in mind, I've got kind of young biscuit children, so there's a there's a fair stock in there. I must give a shout out to to Tunnock's was mentioned a few times, both the tea cakes and the caramel wafers as well. I I keep my biscuits. What about caramel cup- logs? I have a wafer, so that's what I mean. No, car- caramel wafers are one thing. Caramel logs are the ones with sort of desiccated coconut around them, and they're the probably premier product. Um, no, I'm not a fan of coconut, man. I'd even like a bounty. I'd eat any if there was nothing left, but uh, I'm not a fan, a fan of coconut. That's a, di- that's a different topic. It's an almost a different podcast. <laughs> Young heart, <laughs> eat biscuits. <laughs> Definitely. One that was in there, a little bit contentious, Mint Club, that can infiltrate the taste of your other biscuits. Ah, you need careful. to be really mindful. You almost want to keep them in a sealed Tupperware within your biscuit cupboard. Otherwise, Aye. they can almost spread virus-like. <laughs> or eat them all on day of purchase. There you go. <laughs> Aye, that's what Dave Andrews would do. <laughs> Definitely. And we've also in there we've got hobnobs as well. And then... One I've got you a shout out to Sophie Mullins has come in with chocolate and banana cookies by the Milola Bakery. So there's a wee independent thing she's putting in there as well. That so quite support local. Quite a bespoke, nice. It so is, is. But can I just bring you back a second there? We're talking about aye. chocolate biscuits. To me, chocolate biscuits are individually wrapped. So your digestives, chocolate digestive, hobnobs, all that kind of pish. They're no <laughs> they're no part of this discussion. That's for another time. Okay, man. Okay. You all right with that? Yeah, I'm. I'm absolutely fine we're, with that. We're setting the rules here, by the way. We <laughs> are the authority. I just love the fact that people are so passionate about biscuits and willing to engage with us and discuss, and you know, and make us happy because these are the things that we're in about. We're in it, you know. Well, I've also discovered that I've now got a wee list of biscuits that I haven't tried before or they fell off the radar, and they're now back in there. So thank you, everybody. A pick up on top of I, that. A pickup is one of them. I don't even know if I'd ever heard of a pickup, but it was mentioned and you described to me the chocolates on the inside. What's that about, man? Chocolates on the inside, it's like two rich tea biscuits. Didn't discount uh, them. Plus, you get Aldi's versions of them, which are just the same, apart from about 50p cheaper a bag. They'd be a good dipper. That's a different conversation again. Do you dip your biscuit or do you dunk them? Oh, John. But if you're dipping in with chocolate in the middle, that's going to melt off. Right. I okay, bet it's you... not. The consistency of the chocolate in the middle is no, it's, it's no quite chocolate. It's almost like, uh, John, just go experience it. I'm going to do it's that. Right, let's, and, let's and move. Feedback. Here we go. Two minutes talking about running, 10 minutes talking about biscuits. <laughs> if this is the first time you've listened to this podcast, you'll maybe get us by now. <laughs> right. right. You've mentioned the key word podcast we've, we've been listening to another couple of podcasts haven't we so one each you go with yours well i have i really enjoy a podcast and i think we'll maybe make this a regular feature is just signposting to other podcasts that we enjoy and hopefully they'll reciprocate and do it back eh you never know i do um, luck with that yeah i know i know <laughs> but i listen to a podcast often called the strength running podcast um, yep. and it's an american podcast um and 
I don't know. I just I just really enjoy the pace of it in terms of you know and, and the insight that it gives and the variety of guests that that they have on. Um, Jason Fitzgerald is is the host. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, I think I'm going to post a link to it on the the socials or something like that. Um, but I listened to one just actually today, so it's a bit of recent stuff in my head going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jason was interviewing one of his athletes that he coaches um, and it was around about getting a PB at Boston and the training up to it and then the actual race day and what he's done to improve quite dramatically um, and it was just all just going ah that's awfully familiar that's awful familiar um, and yeah I just wanted to to give it a shout out it's a pod that I enjoy. That is cool no problem at all I think it's one you've you've recommended to me and I've listened to a few episodes and it's, it is one that, I, that, I, that is on my regular list now. Yeah. Um, the one I would like to give a shout out to is brand new this week. Um, Ross Brannigan, friend of the show, um, who was recently on promoting and discussing his book, um, Running Adventures in Scotland. Um, it's available to buy from Vertebrate Publishing. Um, but Ross has started a podcast and it's called Ross Runs Wild and his very first guest on was Finlay Wild who is speaking about doing the big rounds. Finlay's a phenomenal runner, he's a he's a great listen, um, he's open and honest about his endeavours and I just want to say good luck to Ross with his future endeavours in podcasting world. Therefore, yeah. and I've got, I've not listened to it yet but um, I've got it on my playlist for my, my weekend long so to speak. So yeah. see before forward, we, see before we go off of I know we were not we moved away from biscuits and stuff but that was on the Twitter I just noticed this week that the home icon on your phone for Twitter is a wee bird's house. I never noticed that before just noticed it this week the home icon on Twitter is the shape of a wee bird's house. There you go that's my gift to the young hearts run free listeners you can now go and look at Twitter and it's a wee bird's house. it's home. But yeah, that's what I wanted to say that. Okay. Um, there you go. I've like noticed that. it as well. Well done, John. Aye, I like to share, man. Sharing's what it's all about. Generous and kind as ever. Is it, uh, right, well, we speak about our wonderful guest we've got on this week. Yeah, I think we'll give her a, a quick introduction um, because she's got lots to say, lots to share. And I must say, We've met some quite extraordinary people already doing this podcast. Lucky, lucky us. Um, mm. And, do you know, th- this is another one to add to this list. I'm not quite sure if I've, if we've had anybody on who's quite as hardworking at her craft as, as Sam Amend is. She is non-stop. Yeah. The, and the t- our chat was non-stop. It's not often that Stephen and I have got to work to get a word in, but we had to be Sam. She was absolutely fantastic. Great. I'm going to say it was a great story. It was a great story. It was great entertainment because she's just so engaging. Happy to share her story, her background, the ups and the downs. Um, she shared the whole lot and she's a quite phenomenal runner. She's part of Team Mower 7 as well. She's part of them. She speaks a wee bit about that. She's quite pally with that Murphy lassie. She was a pleasure to listen to, and I'm, I'm sure you guys will lap it up as well. Yeah, so 
over the hour catch up with Sam Amend. Hope you enjoy it. Big welcome to the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. Sam, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Good evening. Good evening from, um, well, a rather rainy and dismal Scotland, but you're in a, looking like in a much better. It's going to be our first broadcast where the other person's outside, John, in the open air. <laughs> it certainly is, yeah, and it looks like a lovely evening for Sam. So, Sam, where are you on the planet? So I'm um, based oh, about 40 miles from London. I'm in um, South Oxfordshire. So I'm sitting in my garden. It wasn't like this earlier, just to be clear. We did have rain, but it's about 18 degrees. And I'm sitting in my garden. Nice. Well, it's about six degrees here, if that. <laughs> I have to scrape the car this morning. Oh, no. Definitely <laughs> don't have to do that here. <laughs> Not quite, but we're far off it. <laughs> um, but no, thank you for um, giving up your time uh, to join us. Um, we've been keen to catch up with you. Um, we'll discuss more as to exactly why that is um, very soon. But what we like to do, Sam, before we get into the nitty gritty, is we like to find a wee bit about you, about your running story, so to speak. So if it's OK with you, could, could you share with us as to yeah, what, um, brought, what brought you to where you are now? So I'm 43 next year, so obviously it's quite late um, when it comes to running terms, but I think actually it was inbred in me when I was at school. So um, I always did like the short distance, middle distance stuff. And then um, it was actually my marathon in 2006. It was the first one I did. Um, tried to get in for years, like everyone does to London Marathon and struggled to get in, failed and thought, this is strange. You know, I'm willing to pay for it. Why can't I do a marathon? Because I'd always wanted to do it to put a challenge in. So I just concentrated really for a couple of years just doing gym work. And when I moved into my first main IT job in a software company, they were putting a team together and I figured, well, maybe I'll have a go again at trying to get in. And I was think my daughter was two and a half then so I'd had my um, daughter by then so I joined a team with all the support managers and there were six of us so we trained I think it was about 15 weeks in total Um, obviously done it off a whim of running maybe four miles a week I didn't really take too much running in after school um, but I always knew that I loved it and um, really it went from uh four weeks in i ran um reading half marathon and ran it in one hour 30 off of the back of you know only a few weeks of training i went from four miles up to like 40 miles so it's this addictive personality that i have as a gemini all or nothing um and then i knew having run that and done a few other little races i joined um, a local club this was when i was living in marlow and put a little bit of training structure together I was training with the guys at work and I was telling everyone do you know what I'm going to aim for three hours 30 340 I asked for advice um, but in the back of my mind I wanted to break three hours 30 and lo and behold turned up to the race really scared I had all these terrible nightmares I was going to get lost in London Marathon really really bricking it and um I can't remember the weather, but I do remember very well of going through all these mental blocks, but absolutely loving the atmosphere. And I went through the line in three hours, 16 and one second, just missing the qualification automatically. And it was at that point, um, I all my legs chafed. I had red chub rub, as they call it. Um, my calves were killing. I got into the bath and couldn't get back out and thought, why on earth would someone put themselves through it? That lasted for a couple of hours and I got up the next day and then booked a New York Marathon and then the rest was history. It's literally pivoted me and propelled me forward with over 40 marathons. Another child came along, my son, um, who's now 14, 
and I've just kind of picked up my running and it actually wasn't until 2011 I did a multi-stage race and actually getting up every day is harder than just keep carrying on I felt it was really tough because you'd laid down everything stiffened up and I said to my coach at the time at some point I want to go into ultras and he said Sam you're too fast for the marathon you can definitely get quicker than 242 so that's my PB and for years I was chasing quicker times but I think having had family life a really busy job I was looking after a lot of customers um, it just wasn't the right time and maybe if I'd have done it full time I could have potentially got to the Olympic marathon I don't know there was definitely potential there but I think my love of long distance was also there as well yeah. and yeah t- it changed 2015 was when I started to look at qualification because I didn't even so, realize you could do it can I just clarify that mm. London marathon debut in 316 mm-hmm. what year was that 2006 so you, yeah, and that was you know training with guys from work and that's so that's yeah, where there was the, no real big structure because there wasn't that much time to do it <laughs> I, well it doesn't sound like that it sounds I like need, there's a lot i need to Go ask for it, John. i need to ask the question as well i'm interested mm. about the other support managers how did they fare in the 2006 marathon um so one of them carried on running it was um actually i work with him now so we've um when he left the company went to go and work for the software company i work for now bmc and i now work with him not actually in his team but he carried on running really enjoyed it and what I would say is very very good but never did any of them take it to my level and then the rest of them it was a case of they had their sandwich pack they were enjoying it probably drinking beers along the way really struggled with it because some of them didn't put the training in but the ones that did got the best out of it um so a few of them still run but it's more casual running um for others it was horrific never again (laughs) but it's done bucket list it was on a bucket list do you know what we raised a lot of money for um outward bound which was the charity we did it for it was literally the start of my running career and I'd always enjoyed running at school but it's very different running track races and 1500 and you know doing 800 in comparison to doing a marathon because actually that saying that they say is anything sorry nothing is impossible um, I actually felt who on earth and how on earth can you run 26.2 miles I really did have that whole headspace of can you and I felt the same with 50k and I'd never worked out the maths that 42 versus 50k isn't a big deal but back then it felt like it so it's amazing yeah. how your brain changes when you start running these distances yeah can I just also clarify one thing you said you went and did the New York marathon yeah. right off the back of doing the one. Did you do the New York marathon in 2006 then? The same year I did it. Um, yeah. There we did go. You? Okay. You always, you always, yeah. That's amazing. Is, this, this comes up time and time again. Okay. Yeah. So that was my first ever marathon. Okay. Uh, I found it hard. It's really tough over the bridges. Oh, well, really windy. I was it that was. guy with the taking photos and a sandwich bag and I was, was that guy well <laughs> I felt like it and the high, um, high fives yeah and the whole the whole hills in Central Park that were unexpected mm. because I was wet behind the lugs but anyway there you go we've shared the start we line. did we shared an experience kind of <laughs> so. all that time and and the planets have aligned and brought us together tonight there you go from exactly. 2006 to tonight and I've also <laughs> got to say as well Sam I think mm. and I'm pretty sure you're the mm. first guest we've had that's mentioned their star sign, a Gemini. I don't I think anybody Gemini. else has mentioned oh, their star okay. sign. So this could be a new feature. Thank you I'm very much. I'm a twin much. as well, guys. Just to let you know, I have a twin and she doesn't do running like I do. And she doesn't run. <laughs> okay. She's not into uh, it. Cool. Stephen, what star sign? What are you? I am a cancer. Okay. And I'm, I don't I'm know what a, that means. That means that 
one day you will run a sub three marathon, Stephen. That's what happened. <laughs> and I am a Scorpio. I'm this thing in the tail. Okay, so that's brought us quite up to speed this day. How, yeah. how especially your sort of how you you found the love of the the long distance stuff because that when you said you did a first ever multi stage race in mm. 2011, what one was that out of interest? So it was called the Druid Challenge. Um, it was the Ridgeway, um, which is one of the Roman walks that goes from Ivanhoe Beacon, Hertfordshire, right over into Avebury, which is over near Swindon. And they broke it down with, I think it was about 27, 28 miles each day, um, but it's on trail. So it's quite hilly as well, quite challenging. And I remember my friend that had done a few ultras and also run for years from the same club at the time, Handy Cross, said to me, you know, be really careful. You're going to really, really find it hard. And I think he was quite surprised that I literally breezed through it. Um, I came third overall. I would have come second if it wasn't for the fact I was being very gracious, calling someone back that got lost. <laughs> Um, but I don't mind I just I really enjoyed it and I thought god I really like challenging myself and I think it was because I'd got not so much complacent of marathons they're just really hard because you have to run hard you're at your top peak everything has to align together I mean you can do all the training in the world but it's a lot of it is what happens on the day you have to feel good yeah I find it fascinating as well that do you like to not suffer, but do you like to push yourself? Do you, mm. do you like to, is it something you want to do to find your own limit? Do you know what's really scary? I actually don't know where my limit is. I was saying it to a couple of other Team Hour 7 and GB runners that I run with and see at different events. I actually don't know where that stopping point is. Having run the 100k in April at the beginning of it and then three weeks later running the 100 mile, I literally had one day off, went back to the gym on Monday, was running by Tuesday and I felt better than I had after a marathon so for me there's definitely bigger challenges I want to push a lot of the GB records it's just about timing for now it's about the GB vest um, representing my country getting better times but I love pushing myself and I don't know you know when athletes get asked what makes you do it sometimes you don't know for me it's mainly trauma I've gone through a lot of challenges in my life and I realize I'm very fortunate to be able to run I've got the opportunity to push my body and yeah I don't know where that limit is hence why I'll be running the Grand Union Canal in two weeks time which is 145 miles whoa Sam whoa 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 come back a wee bit come back a wee bit right? but you know what I, I often I often put in a hashtag in social media that like, hmm. we have no limits but hmm. maybe it's just about us there's a whole heap of inspirational mm. athletes, regardless of sport, that do quite phenomenal things. But maybe we don't know what our limits are, but we just want to keep pushing the boundary and nudging all the time. And you're certainly doing that. But mm. we've all we've all speak a wee bit more about that. But I'm I'm just intrigued as to the what you've just described, doing the hundred K and mm. then going hundred mile in three three weeks later. Sorry, Steve, mm. I don't want to jump ahead too far, but it's a question I've got about injury slash recovery. How do mm. how's that for you? So a lot's changed. I mean, I've had quite a few injuries. I'm not um, a robot. I laugh and say I'm robotic and we have a little joke and I do robotic dancing. But I think a lot of things have changed. And when you get to know your body really well, which I do, I'm very in tune with it. And it's taken 42, nearly 43 years to understand my body. 
I know better than anyone what I have done last year I did obviously run the 100 mile and I broke the British record then but it was by nine minutes and what was different then is I didn't eat enough food um, I felt lousy I felt sick um, the nutrition was poor um, I was tired there was loads of different factors and I thought in order for me to get better I've got to start listening to people and it's not that I am complacent or I think I know best all the time it's more of a case of feeling ready and a lot of things changed for me last year um, I came out of a relationship um, I lost my coach um, I changed my job I broke a British record. Um, I got selected for GB. Obviously, we ended up with lockdown and not being able to race because they cancelled all the um, the championships. Um, but what I did do was spend time while I was training, looking at nutrition, looking at strength and conditioning. So one thing a lot of athletes don't do is they don't do enough strength and conditioning. They wait until they get injured and then they go, oh, I better go and start doing some stretches and exercises. And because I've made my body stronger, I'm eating more protein because, again, my vegan diet, I am a vegan, it's very limited. Um, all of those factors all add in the mix, including getting a bit more sleep. So yeah, that's kind of why I changed and why I'm not getting injured. Touch wood, please don't jinx it. Um, I just listen to my body. Tells me. Why did you ask that question, John? Uh, me too. And I almost felt like Sam was talking to me when she was talking about strength and conditioning. Don't wait until you're injured. Yeah, maybe both of us, Stephen. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to have to listen back to this because there's so much good information coming out of this. Absolutely. Well, I think it maybe leads us on just into a bit of insight into what your training consists of, Sam, in terms of, um, you know, you've just spoke there that you've, in 2021, you mm. broke the 100-mile British record and then mm -hmm. you smashed it in 2022. We'll get on yep. to that. Yeah. Okay. But what does it take in terms of you know, what's a normal week's training and the sort of middle of a, a, a big training block look like? So it's really funny a lot of people think that you have to do miles and miles so when I first did that marathon that 316 I got addicted to running I was doing uh, morning lunch evening squeezing in loads of runs it was three runs a day with a full-time job with a baby it was ridiculous and over the years you get more and more sensible you get older and you realize you can't sustain it so I'll have maybe one or two double days but it's really easy stuff and the trick is especially when you're running longer distance not to go and cane every session and it's easy to do it when you get in groups because people want to run faster but I don't pull into all that I know what my body can do I'll push myself on track Tuesday which is a classic everyone has that I'll have a medium 50 to 60 minutes maybe on a, a Monday sometimes it's a double day Wednesday will be a longish run Thursday I, I've now started to incorporate days off from running it might be just running with the dogs and that's a massive thing for me because I don't do days off <laughs> Um, and then Friday will be easy then it will be a session on Saturday then it's long run on Sunday and actually my mileage very rarely creeps over 90 odd miles and it plateaus quite a lot around between the 70s and the 80s and maybe that's the key because your last long run or race becomes your training session that's how I see it so when I look at the 100k I did work really hard that became the last long race ready for my 100 mile. So that's how I plan it in. And because I'm a prolific racer, not everyone likes to. I don't have a big training group. I'm unfortunate where I live because not everyone would want to keep up or the sessions are different. I tend to drive back to where I used to live once a week. And I've got a really good coach that works out my plan, tells me what I need to do. And then I execute it either with someone or 90% of the time I'm doing it on my own. 
seen photographs of you in a vest, Belgrave. Mm. You still run yes. for Belgrave? I do. I've run for them for nearly 13 years. Yeah. Cool. There's obviously running clubs all over mm. the, the UK, but yeah. people take a, a lot of pride in wearing their club vest, don't they? I'm very loyal. I'm... Do you know, I ran for Handicross for about a year. It got me started with my running. And then a lot of people said to me, come and uh, run for Belgrave. They're a London-based club. But they really look after me. I've got lifetime honorary membership. Um, I'm also the club captain. I help support the group. And I can still turn up and make the teams. I mean, at some point I won't because I'm a vet. But it, they're bringing in a lot of younger uh, ladies. And I go to Battersea, which is where they're located. And I feel really proud to be part of a very... Um, old club that's got a lot of history a lot of some of the best um, athletes that have represented um, GB have come from there so yeah I'm very proud of it and they're very supportive I love my club that's coming over really loud and clear and it's it's great to see that passion there for for belonging to that Mm, it's a little community but I still train with other clubs like I run with Wickham Phoenix and they're great as a club but it's really difficult to have an allegiance to two clubs so I've always remained loyal to them but I will pay membership to make sure I can support that club as well and it's not really a rivalry people are just pleased and proud for you to achieve things I think you could probably rock up at any club Sam and they'd be like do you do a bit of coaching too do you I coach children. Um, I find it a lot easier. Before I um, fractured my foot in 2013, I did used to coach adults. Um, I had roughly 20 odd runners. So I did the LERF, the um, leader in running um, through England Athletics. And then I got up to assistant coach. But honestly, with a full time job in IT, my own training regime, it's incredibly difficult to train elite athletes. And actually for the type of headspace you need and time to write plans it was a lot easier for people that just wanted to run so it's more casual running Um, and I also set up a local park run in High Wycombe which is now flourishing I mean it went up to I think they got 600 and something runners each week so I'm really proud when I handed that back to the community so that was five years of hard graft and then I coach kids once a week and I've done that for nearly 14 years so it's a local school primary in particular because my view is if you can change the mentality of exercise when they're quite young, get them a little bit competitive, it means that by the time they go into secondary school, they may stand half a chance of coping with four sports lessons a week, which is typically what they do in the first couple of years of school. Um, and it's good for mental health. So I love it. And they're really excited about seeing my medals. They love the trophies. It's my little fan club. <laughs> Brilliant. What a load of um nuggets we just got there in that last minute i've like got a hundred questions that i could ask about just that topic um but i've got two kids mm. primary school age myself and and I, I totally get what you're saying around about instilling some um competitive spirit into them but doing it in such a way that it's fun and, and engaging yeah, and, and, we and do it's that. Cool. yeah yeah it sounds like you do um thanks for sharing that it's okay with us can i I have to ask as well, Mm. do you do, is there any other sports that you do? I know you sound very busy, okay, but do you do a bit of swimming, anything like that? Or is it just hopefully? I'm not a water baby. It's mainly 
running that I do I skip and I go to the gym so I do a lot of the Les Mills classes um, strength and conditioning on Wednesday I've got quite a set routine because it fits around my work as well and I work a lot with America so I tend to do some of the sessions in the day and then go back and work in the evening um, so I'll do things like body combat um, boxing I love a bit of boxing because it's really good for your um, physique um, I do skip in maybe 30 minutes a day and then I do spin classes three times a week so I'm doing at least minimum three hours of exercise a day minimum right well, how much <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> well i know because sam that like you talked us through your your running schedule a week mm. and i was i think there's merit in this yeah and this is oh, augmented isn't it this is augmenting your, your your running well that's how i take it maybe supplementing it yeah and um i do have easy days i even do sports yoga it's about as far as i can get into yoga and stretching because i really can't touch my toes but i've realized as a runner as long as i can bounce along the ground because i'm very um light on my feet i did dancing for 15 years i was a ballet dancer back um, in the school days um i'm very light i like to float across the ground <laughs> um so i i like to do things that are very energetic my plyometrics are appalling but i found things that i enjoy like body pump which is lifting so that's the combination of strength and strength and conditioning to music the spin bike i love listening to music and i will push myself but on days that i know i'm going to be racing say the next day or something i'll lighten it so it's again all about listening to your body but i do do at least two classes a day john yeah i'll we'll speak about food later because I'm, I'm desperate to know i don't want to ask you just now no. but I'm, des I'm desperate to know how you feel all that exercise right but we'll cover we'll come to that yeah no because no no i still want to, i still want to go back all right i, I mentioned mm -hmm. about injury recovery and you, you mentioned about knowing your body Mm -hmm. But is there ever a day mm -hmm. Sam Amend just sits on the couch and lies in her bed? No, um, although after the race, I did feel pretty lousy after the 100 and my friends got a sports car and I thought this is the worst journey for 90 minutes driving back in a sports car. I loved it while we were going on the way there and I couldn't wait to get to bed but because you're so caffeined up and exhausted and your body aches, I had a shower and I just laid there and I couldn't sleep that's when I laid down horizontal but I don't very often sit on the sofa and when I do it might be for an hour in the evening that's my downtime but I'm very energetic so my desk I'll I know you're going to think this is really mad but I don't have a chair so I have a treadmill um I haven't walked on it today just because I've been too busy and we had an opening of our office but I have a treadmill underneath my desk um and I walk on it when I'm doing conference calls or working I I, I don't think it's crazy I think it's wonderful I absolutely think it's wonderful because I'm a, I'm a big believer in staying mobile. And mm. It's helped us, me. Yeah, yeah, a lot of movement. us do get movement as medicine, that stuff. Definitely. Oh, that's a that's a gem that one, Stephen. I remember <laughs> that from before. I like that. And I got and, rid, rid of my mouse as well because obviously when you're sitting down and you're twisting, you're moving like this. You're actually turning your pelvis. So when I got out of the chair, which was not set probably for the right height, if you've got a very static desk. I realised during lockdown something's not right. I keep getting tight backs. I was getting problems um, with my body and it was getting stiff and I could feel my hamstrings tightening. So as soon as I got rid of it, um, it was the best thing I ever did. Sitting down is not good for you for too long. Tell That's you, my view. <laughs> we could we could put that in with the running tips, but this is home working mm. tips. Just okay. this is, this yeah. Is yeah. Well being. 
and and I I know as well. I mean, we've all become a bit more sedentary. I think office workers, if you're if you're sitting mm. in, in an office, but that simple thing, if you're sitting for 30, 45 minutes, when mm. well, certainly from personal experience, when I get up, I'm like, give mm-hmm. myself a couple of steps to get moving. Mm. So taking that away and then yeah. Then going a step further and putting a treadmill under your desk. That's brilliant. I, <laughs> I walk I walk slow. It's like a walker. It was actually a guy. I bought it off of him off of eBay and I think he had used it once. His intention was to use it. It looked brand spanking new. It was like I'd got some you know, like children in sweet shops where they light up. I was really happy with it. And I don't use it all the time because I stand it. I've got an anti-fatigue mat, but it's definitely, in my view, helped me with my body position because you tend to slouch. I'm very much leaning to the right. I think it's years of carrying kids where you put your hips down. And as a consequence, I've ended up with a high hamstring issue I've been dog with for years. And the physio, my coach, that he did over a period of a very long time has kept my body stable and I started to feel it was all going a bit funny again when I'm sitting down more because obviously we're working from home and it's mm-hmm. made a massive difference and it's only slow walking but it does actually help with 24-hour running keeping on the move you know if you were going to walk around yeah. with your food so I don't feel burnt out it's not even hitting my heart rate up to 50 <laughs> it's not yeah is there a- just yeah, it's just your plateau. You, your, yeah, it takes more than that to get your heart rate up. And that's become your, like, moving at that slow pace is just become the normal for Sam. That's what does I'm it, Does it have a motor or do you power it yourself? No, you it's got a motor. I've got a little remote control um, that I can use from the top of my desk. And then what I do is I put my drink in a takeout cup and then I have finger food so I can actually eat, drink, type and walk. <laughs> I'm a, multi, I'm a multitasker. Jesus, Steve, there's it. no way you or I could do that. I know, but I think, I think we should ask for one. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> From our organisation. I'll take a picture for you so you can see it. it does actually exist, but I love it. And, you know, I can talk to people. In fact, during um, the last couple of weeks when my friends are on um, feeling sad or there's, um, you know, some unhappiness somewhere, I, I've done a couple of dance moves and videoed it and sent it to them and sung to them. <laughs> I've got a fun side to me as well. I just have to make right. sure I don't go off the back of it. <laughs> we can tell, Sam. We can tell. Yeah, you've yeah. got a fun side. Um, brilliant. No. Okay. So if you've if you've taken something away, no, even runners are getting stuff out of this, eh, John? It's no young hearts run three is nothing all about these runner types. We yes, help Robbie. everybody. Yes, well, <laughs> Sam does. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's let's move on to that food thing. Let, mm. let, yeah. Let's talk about that. I mean, you, you've spoken there, Sam, about what an, av- an average, what a week is for mm. you and the activities that you're doing. Mm. How, do you, how do you fuel that? There's obviously, you're burning a lot of energy, a lot of calories oh. being burnt. How do, how do you fuel that? Do you know, it's again, a lot of it's done on feel like how you run. Um, I kind of know what to eat. So my typical day's food, I mean, obviously it changes for race week. Race week, um, Joe Murphy, who you've had on recently, we laugh, we call it the opaque week because everything is white. And what I mean is carbohydrates, nothing that's going to upset your gut because I've got quite a volatile gut. But um, I eat a lot of protein now, um, chickpeas, lentils, pulses. I'm a vegan. Um, I just know the meal portion size. And I know when I'm full and when I'm not, if I need more, I'll eat more. So every day is different. If I'm doing, say, for example, Tuesday, I know I've got to fuel myself up. So I might have peanut butter on rice cakes, but I'll also have had a protein shake in the morning. Um, I'll eat a big lunch. And then normally because I'm back quite late, 
dinner will consist of something carbohydrate, but I probably won't cook something. I'll eat three main meals or I say three square meals a day, but I'll also snack and I try to snack on better things like um, flapjacks that I've made because I know what's in them. Um, try to go for non-processed stuff. But again, I'll eat lentil chips, hummus, things like that. So I just I don't really add the calories up. The only thing that I've done different is obviously on race food. Um, I'm starting to put more protein in and carbs to work out how much I need every 45 minutes because I never used to do that. And that was what I did when we went to Perth for the 100K and it made a massive difference. So, And is doing that, is that part of the um, team hour seven sort of input that you're getting there? Because I know yeah. that Robbie's really quite um, yes. passionate and... Um, yeah expert in that field because he's also one. been a 24-hour runner and I'm sure he'll go back to it himself and I think we've got Wendy who is now doing our nutrition and Wendy I was seeing before um, this happened so Wendy started speaking with me in September last year she used to head up the British rowing um, nutrition and she was recommended through my coach so I started to speak with her and she said, Sam, one thing I've noticed, you've got no protein. I thought, crikey, she's right. You're supposed to have about 20 grams. I'm not even getting five. Um, so I knew that in order for me to survive through some of these races, I need to eat more. So now it's become a routine. And it's a bit like when they say break a habit, it takes weeks, three or four weeks, you know, like when people want to give up drinking. Um, the main thing I just wanted to do, because it wasn't the fact I wasn't eating enough calories, it was the wrong type of food. And it was carbohydrates. I felt sluggish. It was the wrong food. So the protein um eating more rich based stuff you definitely feel better you and if anything god forbid i've got even more energy how scary is that that's scary <laughs> I, I didn't think that was actually possible, that possible? there you go yeah. what an experiment i'm bouncing off of it at the moment i just um i just find that my body does tell me like when you crave something um sometimes i crave sugar but i'm definitely going more the salty route um my body tells me what i need and even after the 100k i was saying to robbie and team hour seven because mike was um supporting me on there with the england team mike stocks who's the founder he i just said to him i've had quite a lot of sweet stuff and i started to feel bit sickly so we said right we'll, we'll um review that so we changed it slightly for the 100 mile and actually adding the marmite sandwiches i do love good marmite and tiger bread sandwiches adding a bit more salt made a difference i know i knew you were going to shake your head because not many people like it it's a bit like um guinness really because oh, no. you either oh, no, love I it or was... don't I was going, oh, I love tiger bread. That's what I was giving. I love there. tiger bread. I thought there was the shake to say marmite. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh. So I had that and I do need to look for something else salty. But other than that, I've got to say the nutrition, um, having worked with Robbie, going and doing a sweat test as well, which I've never done before, um, taking a bit more electrolytes. Yes, it did make me go to the toilet more in the 100K and the 100 mile. But the consequence of that was it made me run quicker and it meant I could sustain running at a faster pace because I was taking on more nutrition. So it's a massive lesson learned. And part of me didn't want to because I'm very stubborn. I thought, no, I can do this off nothing. Um, you know, I, I like to feel light, but actually um, it helped me and I had very little gut issues or problems during the race. I, I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Just on that, Ali Bevan has asked today, mm. where do you go for a sweat test in Scotland? Just today I've seen that on Twitter. So okay. if anybody's out there and knows the answer to that, please get in touch with I'll with have Ali. to have a look. Yeah, I'll have to find um, out. I need to know, is it, can you see, you mentioned Wendy. What's Wendy's last name? Uh, Martinson. So, she yeah, she's working with Team Hour 7. She's very knowledgeable, um, okay. been really, really helpful 
giving me ideas of recipes and stuff obviously the ball is in your court you can listen to all the advice in the world like we all do with coaches but if you don't take it on you've only got yourself to blame which is why I've got a really good coaching relationship with my coach I'm scared to tell him what I want to do because he just looks and says oh god um but he because he's not an ultra runner but Norman who was my coach before he passed away last year was um and I think that was the making of things getting quicker better and faster and because now I've cut down my training I'm not feeling so exhausted the only thing I really need to work on now is the sleep I really struggle to go to bed before midnight and don't ask what I'm doing I'm just doing idle stuff because I'm physically awake I need to learn to go to bed I'm just not ready for bed yeah. <laughs> see before you go can I just ask who your coach is currently just to... uh, so it's Andy Walling so Andy used to be the GB physio um, he's been my physio for maybe seven years now and he worked very closely with Norman um, helping mainly for the marathon type training when right. Norman Wilson died so he's very well known in the um, ultra world last year he was happy to take me on full time um so we've obviously been working together since june of last year um they were naturally working together anyway and he's now working for manchester united so he doesn't work for uka anymore uk athletics but um he's very knowledgeable so again he put me in contact with wendy brilliant well you don't work for uk athletics and manchester united and aren't um, in some way an He's expert in your field. yeah 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 it sounds like <laughs> it um okay john i could can we move on do we want to know anything oh, yeah. else about sam's I, I need to know um how long you've been vegan and the mm. sort of history there just since I was nine um so I haven't eaten meat for a long time so it started off vegetarian and I confess I have a little bit of skim milk it's more of an intolerance to dairy just with what it was doing in my gut so I don't have a problem you don't actually kill an animal for um uh, dairy but what, what I think the biggest thing for me was basically my love of animals and I've never looked back since then just basically um went vegetarian and then went vegan and I would never go back to eating meat Brilliant. You know, I think as well, there's been a whole sort of mindset change mm. to plant-based athletes and probably in just the last decade, actually, that I've mm. become aware of this and that people are speaking more about plant-based. They were saying that you couldn't do certain things, but you find a lot of plant-based athletes are actually smashing it, you know, mm. and actually taking over. So, yeah, it's brilliant. So thank you very much. I was just interested. Moving on, Sam, we really want to speak to you about your recent exploits at the Centurion 100 track race and that, you've already mentioned it, the new British 100-mile record. Um, How did that day pan out? Um, Do you know, I didn't have, well, I say I didn't have big expectations. I've always got big expectations of myself. Um, I stayed locally in Bedfordshire. It's about 90 plus minutes from where I live. And I figured um, being away from the house because it's such an early start, they start it at 6am. I kind of prefer that because it means you don't burn a whole day in an evening because the later it gets, it's quite hard to run through the dark, which you'll know if you've ever run 24 hours, you obviously are running technically in your sleep because you're tired. Um, I didn't really sleep a lot the day before. Obviously, the whole week leading up to it, I was on tender hooks I hate um that week where you're on taper because you just want to get running and you just want to get it over and done with um and I kept looking at the weather forecast and then when I realized it's going to be really windy because it was on the way down I just thought god this is going to make it even more of a challenge isn't 100 miles enough let alone any more challenges but I I kind of just took it for what it was 
I thought I'm not going to be the big chief there there's going to be a lot of um, athletes as you know we had some of the world record holders Camille Heron and Alexandra Sorokin he was there um, but Alexandra was always um, targeting the six hour but Camille I didn't know how far she was going to go same with Dominique who I ran the comrades with back in 2019 she came to try and target some European records then we had um, obviously your local Scottish Joasa she came back from Austria Australia um, she's also got a lot of potential and we run quite a lot in races and I know that she's done a really good track 24 hours so I did feel a little bit under pressure but I just for me I when I say I lowered my expectations I did as far as expecting to win the race but I still had the targets that I wanted which were the British records so I put three targets down I had A, B and C obviously getting A, B and C was utopia and the good news is I got them all um, I wasn't obviously expecting it because, again, 100 miles, anything can happen. I was running a little bit with James Stewart, who you all know as well. James was having a good race for a while. A lot of the guys were speeding off, but then sometimes things biomechanically or not feeling quite right, um, you know, you very quickly can find that out in races that are 100 miles. So, yeah, I just stuck to my guns, took the food when I got told to take it. Um, I could see Robbie was looking in the wings. There was a few of the Team Hour 7 supporting Mike Stocks because that was his first race in a very long time. They were pretty close to my aid station, so it was good to have a lot of support. And last year, when I broke the British record, there was really no one there apart from the organisers because of COVID. So it was one of the first races that got brought on. I think I ran a marathon a couple of weeks before. So imagine your second race is 100 miles. Um, So it felt very lonely. Um, it was really hot so we went and had complete opposite weather it was so hot I, I burnt all my head um, and a lot of people were flaking in the heat and then this year it was really windy but I just thought you can't control the weather but you can control how you run we agreed we were going to stick to eight I definitely didn't run as fast as I did last year to start with and it paid off because I wasn't targeting the six hour I wasn't targeting the 100k time what I was targeting was the 12 hour and if I got the 12 hour, then it's, I was pretty sure I can cope with two hours additional running to get the British record. And then when people started to um, peel off or they got injured or niggles or decided not to finish, as much as it's heartbreaking to see people's race over because a lot goes into it, it actually motivated me to want to stay because we went from, you know, 15 runners. Originally, it was 20 odd Um by the time the day happened, there was 15. By the time it finished, there was four people that finished. So I felt proud. Two women and two men and then the um, wheelchair lady. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have a question. Uh, just when you're talking there about um, the size of the field to start with. Mm-hmm. How, how do you stay focused on for that, amount of, for that length of time? Is there feedback from the side coming at you? And how do you, you're, it's a long time, but your headspace mm. must change a lot in that time as well. Oh, God. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, we're all thinking about it. God, I wish I could just get eaten up by the track. Or can I stay in the toilet for a little bit longer? Will no one notice? Could I just run away? I mean, you go through feeling really amazing, high-fiving, chatting away to people to feeling like in a very dark place. 
Um, but because I've been there quite a few times because I've done a few long races, um, I put my shades on. You'll see even when it was grey, I still had my sunglasses on. And there was a reason for it, because when your eyes look tired or people can see you're struggling, the natural instinct for someone is to say, "Is you're okay? are you OK? And that's not what you want, because if they start questioning you, you then start questioning yourself. So I put my shades on. I also stayed focused, didn't talk too much to my aide because I'd happily sit there and have a chat for them. And then I wouldn't go out running. So I'd be spending too much time at the aid station. So we had a debrief with Robbie before and just said, this is what needs to happen. This is what worked well in Perth. Hide the shoes. Don't give me anything else apart from what's on the list, because otherwise I start looking around at my desk for things I don't really want. And it's just deflection. So all of those things is what I did. And then as far as keeping myself motivated, I listened to music for a little bit. And then when it ran out, I just left the headphones in because it was kind of blocking the noise of the wind a bit. And it made the crew and other people think that I was listening to music. But actually, in reality, I just didn't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> and I'm not antisocial. It's just I get into conversation. It's obviously a lot of energy you're using. And I was getting told off for chatting in, in the race because I was chatting to all the other runners because um, I'm very sociable. But um, it's more for occupying time. And then what I'll do is when I know we're about to turn in the fourth hour because they turn you every four hours, you get this excitement built up, build up and it goes on for an hour and then you give yourself a little treat. So I'll have a little sweet every four hours. I mean, it's really silly. That sort of stuff, looking at worms on the track, counting lines. I was counting the railings around the side of the track. Obviously, I forget after I've counted about 10 or 20. I was looking at all the food that was being thrown in the box thinking, God, they've eaten pizza. They've got a goo cheesecake. What on earth do people eat? And I'm thinking, God, I've gone as opaque and as bland as possible. Marmite sandwiches were about my highlight. The rest of them were gels and very boring stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's horses for courses. People eat different things. They've got different survival techniques. Mine is just basically one foot in front of the other. Have a little drift and look around, but don't drift too much because otherwise you lose your pace. Um, and no, don't worry about other people's races because people have different strategies. You mentioned pace. Mm. How do you monitor your pace? Monitoring your, you can't do it for 24 hours, looking at your watch or something like that. Is it by feel? Do, do you know your pace by your feel and how you're running? Yeah, you can in. tell by your leg turnover. You can tell by your cadence. I know if my body's working hard, you can tell by your breathing. You'll breathe a lot heavier when you get tired anyway. Um, and I do look at my watch a lot, even in 24 hours. I just check and think, oh, am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? I had a block during the 100 mile where I was running nine and a half, 10 minute mile and it felt awful. And that's because I needed to give myself a bit of a break, pick myself up. And actually, it was easier to run quicker. Um, plus it gets over quicker <laughs> that's the difference <laughs> between a 24 hour and 100 100 is a distance 24 hours you've just got to endure 24 hours of running um, and you do take a few more breaks the longer it gets they call it the running buffet for a reason because you do get a chance to eat more foods as the distance gets longer when you get up to 100k that's kind of the last of the long road races and you're still running probably only a minute per mile slower than what your marathon pace would be for a lot of people so you can't have what I call enjoyable food whereas your pace for um like 100 miles you've got a chance if you need to rectify something and have a bit of a blip which I tend to I'll run reasonably quick at the start I'll have a bit of a blip in the middle or where I um, slow the pace down and then I pick it up again at the end 
Um, whereas other people will just like Joe, for example, will have consistency all the way through. We've all got different strategy. Now, I love that all different survival techniques and that pretty much, <laughs> you know, su- summed up. And um, when you said that, you know, it mm. kind of resonated to say, well, <laughs> that, that's exactly what, what you're doing. It's like su- surviving. Um, yeah. and, and it's been, no, it was really great to hear what, what you do, you know, counting railings and counting mm. probably like, you start because you're running around a 400 meter track you'll start seeing where the track's worn out a bit more mm-hmm. than others and, and you start having these little landmarks almost um as you're going around just to occupy your mm. brain is that kind of right is that what your yeah, distraction last, tactics last year people laughed they said what did you think about so i've had this question asked to me before and i remember i don't know which runner it was they dropped a, an orange segment and it was 10 laps before it got squashed <laughs> and i watched um mike knock something over out of Jane his wife's hand and I found that really you know oh what's happened there have they had a little Barney they hadn't it was just he didn't quite catch it properly so I observe other um, athletes what they're doing not because I'm looking at what food because I just I'm happy with what I've got it's more a case again of a distraction and yes I do look at where the track's worn Um, I look around me I look at the sky um, all sorts of things um, because otherwise you would get bored and I do try to smile because when you smile and you're more positive, your body is less tense. So I do look at my body posture as well. I mean, it's hard when you're tired sometimes or something's niggling. Um, I try not to think about negative stuff when I'm running. I'll worry about it after. It kind of sounds like you know, a, a really long and somewhat laborious box set on Netflix. Do you know, you're waiting <laughs> You know, that's the end of, at the end of that episode. What's it going to be like the next time I get round? Is is the mm. orange peel still going to be there? Yeah. Do, do, do. Exactly. Brilliant. And then you break it down in like chunks. So I tell myself it's four marathons because it's not four marathons, it's under. But if you give yourself a slightly higher target, it makes it more achievable. And you think, God, actually, I've done quicker than I have, or I've broken it down. So one oh, segment's yeah. gone, the next segment's gone. And it's not until the last marathon that you tell yourself, you start counting, right, that's 105 laps. Then I'll start counting right to the point of the last 400 meters. I literally break it down in distance because, oh, again, man. that's another thing that's... to do. And looking at the lap board to see where you are and what lap you are on, because when you've only done 200, you've got another two, uh, 202 laps that you've got to do. It's a long and way. It's just that old adage of kind of you no know, trying to eat an elephant, isn't it? In one mm. go, it's it's just exactly that, and being able to just focus on these small smaller more manageable chunks mm-hmm. of what otherwise could be off-puttingly horrendously far do you know mm-hmm. now it's no you've proven um, time and time again that, that you've got that in your locker but for other people maybe listening at different distances whether it's a 5k a 10k mm-hmm. whatever their sort of ceiling is at the moment that's a great technique to um, just to use the marathon I was going to say you don't when you've done your first marathon you don't know you can do it once you've done it once if you then go and run another distance for example if I know I've already run 24 hours when I got on and did the 100 mile track I told myself it's only um, 100 miles you've run a a 24 hour then when I run a marathon get a grip you've run 50k or 100k so (laughs) if you can always correlate to a longer distance that you've done it does make it a lot easier in your head as well once you've achieved that distance, because I remember thinking that the marathon was a, such a long distance, I could never do it, especially when I'd only run up to a hundred, uh, sorry, half marathon. And even when I'd done my first 10K, I thought, oh, God, this is awful. So you can 
you've once you've challenged yourself those distances you remind yourself of a race you've done that either you've had to dig in really deep and it's a long way and you've got yourself through something quite special or you look at it and say well I've already run further than that it's only this so you play mind games yeah absolutely get it that's I think too we we started way back we started speaking about um marathon distance and then we started speaking about pushing those boundaries and I think that's what we do but you've just mentioned there in that recent answer Sam talking about when I was getting to the last marathon distance and Mm. the prospect of people doing multiple marathons is mind-blowing right Mm -hmm. but you don't just go and do that you build up to that as you've you've described last week we were speaking and we were talking about the pain cave last Mm -hmm. week there must be a wee bit of a pain cave somewhere in a 24-hour race. So, two questions: mm. Do you know? Do you know where that happens for you? Like, so what time or distance that's going to happen? And mm-hmm. what's your strategy for working around that? So, I've had quite a lot of experiences um, hypothermia. So, last year when Joe Murphy and I ran the 24-hour in Gloucester. I actually laid down for 50 minutes. Um, I also went on to the massage table for 30. So I lost nearly, you know, a good hour and a half nearly um, of no running. And I knew in order to survive that race, I needed to go indoors, warm up. And I wasn't expecting to get hypothermic because I was quite comfortable running. I put a base layer on this time. I'd listened to myself because I've been there before. And it normally happens when you get fatigued and tired. So again, I'm learning every time I do a race, just because I've run loads and loads of marathons, run lots of ultras, you're never always got it perfect. You do execute the odd perfect race, but in reality, there's always something that will come up. So I'm an experienced marathon runner, but something different, like I'd get a blister. Why am I getting blisters when I know that I'm wearing the right shoes? It's just because the socks have gone funny or it's heat and I'm getting friction off of the road. There's always something, so you've got to prepare yourself for things going wrong um and I think for me um my I guess my pain area for different distances so for the 100 it would be between miles 60 and 80 it's no man's land because even another 20 miles that's still a long way to go but again I'll articulate that's a training run around your house when you do your 20 milers um then I would say for the 24 hour it's when you get into the dark hours when it's quiet when people stop talking there's no buzz anymore you have to get your head down put your headphones on and you're basically running in your sleep and that's normally about 12 hours in and then when you pick yourself up again you think oh I've only got four hours that's like running an average 50k for me you know or that's how I come through the other side because I can start seeing the end in sight so it's really the middle section so the first Mm -hmm. bit everyone's happy everyone's feeling good you've got everyone on the track or whatever event you're doing and then as the numbers start to drop as people start to get miserable, you see people pulled up um, and they're sitting down and everyone's exhausted. That's the hard bit. And the way I get through it is it's not going to go on forever. There is a stopping point. That's at 24 hours or whatever your 100 mile race is. This isn't going to be forever. Imagine how you're going to feel when you've done it. It will be amazing achievement. So I have like a positive mindset. I try not to look at negative stuff. I just mm-hmm. get on with it. Right. Okay. okay. Have you always had a positive mindset or is that something you've worked on? Because I've, I've worked, yeah, worked on it. My, my, my question was going to be, but I think you've answered it, what drives mm-hmm. you What drives you on? But I think you just answered that. It's that positive mindset. And you've said there that you've worked on it. 
mm-hmm. how if you're happy to divulge that mm-hmm. how what have you done to develop that positive mindset uh i just think it's more as you get older it's all the things that your parents and people around you that are older say to you that you'll know you'll understand when you get older and you start thinking god that's so patronizing but actually the older you get the more wise you get and you learn more like with my running if I look back at when I first started running in my uh, mid-20s I'm not the same person then as I am now the person I am now is I'm more self-assured I've got more confident at work I went and did life coaching when I got my back fracture so rather than go and be depressed and not congratulate other people I kind of came off of um, social media a bit I just thought as long as I know I can get back I've got to listen to my coach now and all the physio that I'd had and how I was being told by the consultants what I needed to do so it's having self-belief and then going and doing something like life coaching um all the things that you say to other people when you're obviously doing the coaching because you have to practice with people you start to think god it's like listening to myself I really need to take this advice on board and it was one of the best things it was very expensive that I did I was the intention was to life coach other people and I have done it with a few athletes especially people with eating disorders and um, areas where they don't feel confident but really in reality it was to coach myself um, to believe in myself I can do this and I think all those changes were building up last year having covid um locking people down for two years feeling grateful for what you've got actually covid was good for some people bad for others it was actually good for me as much as it was awful stopping racing it did actually give me a chance to reset my body focus on training get myself out of my injuries which was uh, come from 2019 and then getting into 2020 and then as soon as i was ready everything locked down actually i made the best of the time that i had and that's really what's helped me become the athlete I am and why I feel more confident. I understand my body better than anyone, but I do take very good advice from people. I just asked you about positive mindset and then you mm. just you just threw in there back fracture. Mm-hmm. You want to say a bit about that? So, yeah, so I've had quite a lot, actually. I've had a foot fracture. I've had glandular fever in 2017, which is even worse because you get told to rest and you don't understand your body because it's not physical. It's all in the head and you, well, you feel the physical effects, but you're not actually physically injured. Um, and then I went and had a back fracture in 2019. So I was just turning 40, wanted to do the Comrades. So I actually ran the Comrades Marathon, the uphill route with a back fracture, which is also where Camille and some of the people that I saw or a lady like uh, Dominica was also there. She was my roommate. I went there with the intention to get in the top 10 and it was the most painful experience, although most wonderful because I met some great athletes to come back from that and be told you're not going to go to the world championships, which was the 24 hour spend nearly 11 months doing recovery. That's why I went into doing life coaching because I felt if I can't exercise one, my physio and coach will be really annoyed because I'm only going to set myself back. And because it was so significant and the pain was so bad, um, I knew I had to listen. So I went from doing seven days a week training to doing nothing for at least, I think it was four or five months, and then gradually integrating very slow running, um, one minute on, one minute off, you know, really basic. It almost felt demoralising, but it did get me back running and having strong people around you that had that self-belief to know that you will get back. That actually helped me through it, the process. So, yeah, it was a really tough and rough time. So I I, I, I am human. I do get injured. I do feel pain. Yeah. That's a big, 
there's a big lesson there though, mm. massive lesson that resting when you have to rest and listening and learning mm. means you can develop into where you are now. Yeah, I've come back stronger and it's listening to the right advice because sometimes as an athlete you feel that you're on your own and you feel you're the only one that's got the injury but actually it's very common and this is why going back to what I changed last year, doing more strength and conditioning, more cross training as well, less running has definitely helped me because if you look at road surfaces when you go out on the pavement they're all at a camber, I would say you pick up probably more injuries off of pavement than you would on trail. Um, and it's things like that that you don't realise that actually the cross training, cutting down the running, having confidence that all that build up that you've done over the years, your body never forgets. And honestly, when I came back after my back fracture, I think the first race was a 10k, a really hilly one, um, a really tough course. And then I went and did a 50k and I felt really unfit doing the 50k. But it wasn't very long after then that I started to realise my body's coming back, it's remembering stuff. And then we hit lockdown. So I trained like a trooper through lockdown, kept myself, kept myself motivated, run a training regime, went out and trained, used the treadmill, did press ups, did whatever else I could and got myself fit. Brilliant. Wow. Thank mm-hmm. you for um yeah, look at John's face all kind of <laughs> thoughtful. Sam. I'm I'm going to eat. Sorry, John. No, I was just going to say, on. I am ultra inspired right now. I can tell. Look at him. So am I, Sam. But I just don't, <laughs> I've, I've not got that inspired face that John okay. can put on, like all sort of stroking his beard way and things like that. <laughs> but I'm going to, um, I'm going to change it. We 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 asked this question last week for the first time, um, mm. and it's a bit. It's actually a wee bit of a loaded question for you. Okay. Um, it wasn't on the question set, um, and it. We spoke about this before you went before we went on air. Actually, before mm-hmm. John joined in, um, we, we were we were having a right good chinwag about it. <laughs> um, we we decided last week we'll ask guests what time could they run this distance in if the race was tomorrow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I know what you were up to at the weekend. So what time <laughs> could you run a ten k in if you had to run a ten k tomorrow? based on all the training I've done or, well, uh, or, or or based on something that you were maybe up to at the weekend in London um, okay so the... I think if it hadn't been hot on the weekend because I'm feeling really fit I'm in really good shape at the moment and touch, uh-huh. touch wood I'm touching the back of my bed because I've moved indoors now um I think 35 so I feel I'm in PB shape at the moment definitely okay. I feel stronger after doing 100k 100 miles I know it's insane but I feel in amazing shape and I've just got to stay there into the world championship so 35 something 35 something and you you were um, taking part in night of the pbs Mm -hmm. um, at the weekend and that's what was referring to of course which looked like a a fantastic event almost like a a festival atmosphere um was was it as good as it looked on all the coverage that was on social i i just think you have to say it's obviously not great that everyone can make it there but i think anyone that was there it was definitely busy and you know since lockdown seeing it like a festival people enjoying themselves apart from us when we're on the hamster wheel because (laughs) i just told myself it's only 25 laps and you could see people really struggle with 25 laps but when you've run over you know 402 and then I've done it for the 24 hour I felt like I was floating if anything 
I was disappointed it finished. Obviously, the pace is what is the killer. And I had such a great time around the back straight. There's a guy that often does all the compier stuff and dancing. Um, and I remembered last year, two weeks after the 100 mile, I went and run one in Kew Gardens in London. And he was there at the end. I actually won the race, which is incredible to think I'd run 37.20, you know, two weeks after. Went through the finish line and went off and did a dance with him. So he <laughs> messaged me. Out, he was going to be there so every time I was going around on the laps I was doing the whole night fever and dancing it's actually being caught up on a video and I think it really jeered the audience on because I realized I wasn't going to be able to run a fast time just purely because it's so so hot we'd gone from uh -huh. quite cold conditions to hot and I just felt a little bit of fatigue, which is understandable because I've gone back into my training mode. I'm now training for my Grand Union Canal, but I thought I want to go and do the 10,000. It's a great atmosphere. And Ollie, my um, Team Hour colleague as well, was there. And a lot of people I haven't seen for years because of obviously COVID. So yeah. I loved it. It is a great experience. If you can ever get yourself down there, you do feel like you're having the best time and obviously because we all like running it's even better because it's a running yeah. festival so no oh, yeah so before we move on to the next thing i want to say your 100 mile time was 14 hours 10, 10 minutes and Four, you know 41 seconds 41 <laughs> seconds and then when you're asked how you could quick you could do a 10k in it's 35 mm -hmm. minutes something that is just you know a marker <laughs> you know somebody who's one super confident and you've ever right every right to be super confident but also that multi being able to run the range the mm. range yeah exactly that so um thanks for for sharing that little insight as well into the the night of the the, the night <laughs> of the pbs since dos doesn't it sorry dos dos is a perf word for good sorry yeah. Just <laughs> that's okay it wasn't a PB for me and it was afternoon but um no I'd race I'd race the week before so the reason I knew I could run that quick is I ran 29 minutes um and uh 12 seconds the week before on a five mile right okay so, so you're, what I see as well, you're tuned up I watched, the, I watched the end somebody was on twitter live at mm. the end of the 100 mile the, tw the 100 mile thing and um, what was it the 24 hour thing and your last two laps were the fastest I yeah think. 625 pace I think I'd gone from running um sevens because I knew I picked it up in the last four or five laps and then when I knew I only had two laps to go it was like my legs just lifted and I've got this second wind I talk about and it's quite funny so I don't know if they quite expected it but I've never run that quick at the end of 100 and even when I finished I didn't collapse on the floor this time I actually felt okay I felt great but yes 25 <laughs> you can sense the buzz you could sense mm. the buzz it was a twitter feed I was watching but you could sense the buzz of, and people were like what on earth is what's she going doing? on you know <laughs> Powered by Marmite. <laughs> to top it all, you got a new Twitter profile picture as well out of it. So I did exactly. Yeah, a I get a Twelve hour and a fifty miler, and do you know? Um, I actually think I could go under fourteen hours if it wasn't windy, because it really was for that amount of time enough to keep talking about. And it was like a wind tunnel for all of the aid stations. So it did. And I was, I'll be honest with you, effing and jeffing as I was running around under my breath going, ah, and I had my headphones in to try and block the wind out. It was quite a lot and it didn't ever feel like it was pushing you around. It felt like it was battering you and the lighter you are, the more you feel it. So yeah. I just had to switch off and think it's the same for everyone. 
we're here for a reason just accept the conditions as they are and then guess what happened the week after it was great weather uh, nothing sure isn't <laughs> do we need it? more challenges no <laughs> nothing sure um okay um right we are rattling through these questions believe it or not we have um we want to speak a wee bit about what's next. Now, you've mentioned there the Grand Union Canal, 145 mm -hmm. miles, is that what yes, you said? Right. Yeah, um, that is in June. So it's the Jubilee weekend, so it's the 3rd oh, of June. It starts okay. at 6 a.m. in the morning from Birmingham and then it finishes in Paddington whenever I finish. OK, so Birmingham to London. Yes. Oh, nice one. Th this isn't a, um, a race that I'm familiar with at, at all, um, which is quite rare. <laughs> quite um they've got like a canal grand slam they do and it's right. um got one for uh from london to bristol they've got one from liverpool to leeds so they've got three okay. of them i'm not looking to do the grand slam but i for years wanted to do the grand union canal um it's quite a popular one for um athletes that live in the south um, or around the area so i managed to get a chance to do it this year because it's far enough away from the 100k um and also it's after my big races so yeah i just said this year i'm going to do it and i wasn't going to do the comrades because that's in august this year um it would normally be in june and i've put myself forward and obviously got in because it's like a ballot and now i'm training for that so i've gone from 100k 100 miles now 145 there's but no more where we drop back to a 10k just to, to, to throw that into the mix as well among, amongst everything else um, mm -hmm. so that's june um which that sounds like it'll be a, a an epic wee adventure it's I always like races where you can look at your race route map and see you sort of mm. moving right across a whole country do you know <laughs> exactly it... you're going point to point rather than round yeah. in circles which yeah, i'm yeah. quite happy to have a break from the track i've done quite a lot of track races and loops <laughs> yeah i bet i can imagine um we were speaking as well about the loops at perth how mm. the um north inch which obviously john and i's home turf and, and we know mm. that very well that you enjoyed that um that route for 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 the 100k in perth um, mm. and the celtic plate and that kind of brings us on to well running for your country and mm. I've got a, I've got a, a pathway here that I'm going John have you noticed I love it <laughs> yeah got a pathway so you spoke about you've first represented your country in 2016 yep. uh, yeah yeah Doha did you say so that was Doha 50k um right. so I got selected based on my quick marathon times um so that was my first entry point I was dead chuffed I mean I just cried I was it was very emotional because everyone wants to get a GB vest so yep. yeah I did 2016 and then um, there was a year where they didn't actually run the 50k um, that was 2017 plus I had um, glandular fever so I, that was a year of recovery really um, and then 2018 I ran Croatia 100k really hot hilly course um, that was a seven and a half k loop i think from what i remember quite a challenging one in zagreb and then um since then obviously i've either had an injury which was 2019 and then we had covid so this will be hopefully my third outing in august in berlin um for the 100k again rather than the 24 hour which is the one i selected and then you're joining you're joined in that team with joe murphy so a couple of yeah. Team and seven hour reps so, yeah. and, and Ollie as well. So yeah, well represented in Berlin, and, and that's in August time. Yeah, it's the bank holiday weekend, so it's on the twenty seventh. Um, 
we all go out there and I'm hoping because Berlin when I've run Berlin Marathon before it's really nice road surfaces um I'm hoping that I, I don't even I haven't really looked at the course but I'm hoping it's going to be good surface because that does make a difference yeah and they do say that with Berlin that it's got um the, out of the six major yeah. marathons the, the road surface in Berlin really is, good. is the best for for flying so to speak talking of that is it is it super shoes that you wear just that's something that interests John. um so i wore the vapor flies and um i just like nikes and right. i haven't really tried the adidas i like hawkers but i think depending on what part of hawker if it's um the ring corns i like which are the basic ones i know that camille wears them now um I'm just set on wearing Nike, so okay. I wore the Nike Vaporfly. You can wear them um, on the track if you're doing long distance. You just can't wear it for those championship races because they can be really funny about the drop and what you're allowed to wear and what you're not. Um, right. But, yeah, Vaporflies are for me. I did actually the last five miles put on the Alpha Flies, but you have to be really careful with them. They're quite unstable. They're quite bouncy, and I'm already, already bouncy on my feet, um, right. and I run on my toes, so... Um, actually that was the mistake I made at the race I think I just got a little bit tired and wanted to chat to my mate so I changed my shoes okay Um, and I shouldn't have done it because that did cost a bit of time but you know in hindsight I just look and think well I just obviously wanted a bit of a break everyone's allowed a bit of a cheeky break and the toilets were not the place to do it it was definitely better at my aid station (laughs) but yeah um, Nike's are my um, go-to shoe and I think every time we have an athlete on that's represented their country, mm-hmm. I think it's always good to touch on what that feels like, what it means to you, what the the pride that's there pulling that vest on. Do you want to speak you know, a little bit about that? Yeah, no, it's just um it's almost overwhelming. I think because you're always trying to push yourself, you need other people to be proud for you. Although I am deep down inside, because I'm so hard on myself, it doesn't always sink in straight away. I mean no one ever takes that moment away when you do your first marathon and you achieve something it's exactly the same feeling when you get a gb vest and you get it in your vet ages when you're much older if you look at other sports normally 30 or early 30s is when you retire to be able to do that as a mum of two kids a full-time worker i'm not a full-time athlete juggle so many things it meant a huge amount i was incredibly proud emotionally i just felt amazing and i still do even when i get selected now even though it's not the first time anymore um, just the excitement of getting the email and then the call getting set up, it makes you feel really excited um, because you know that you've done something to deserve it. But it's just nice to feel part of something as well. And it makes it all worthwhile because as much as it's great to race and do all these other ones and get accolades, winning races, ultimately what I've always wanted is the GB vest because I never did it at the marathon, although I run for England. Um, I ran some international races. I never actually run for GB. So for me, as yeah. an athlete and someone that's always, always been interested in sport. I've just not gone into it for work, which is a good thing because you need to have a break from it. I feel proud and mm-hmm. hoping my my friends certainly do and they help celebrate it for me because I'm not egotistic. I feel a little bit embarrassed, right. but I do it through ins- inspirational things instead. And to get the chance, thank you very much for sharing that, Sam, and to get the chance to go to Berlin with your pals, yeah, exactly. You know, and to run together. And I know Team Hour 7 mm-hmm. is still relatively new on the block. Yeah. Um, yeah. How much has that brought you? 
Um, do you know, because we've got an open chat, when you're having a really low day and we all get it where work's tough or something else, um, I'll send, for example, a video of me dancing or someone might send something else. Or if someone's just achieved something at the weekend, um, it's that whole camaraderie and feeling like you've got this extra layer of support. Because I've known Mike for years. We obviously have run a lot of lap tracks together. Um, Joe, I hadn't met until last year in Gloucester. Damien, I've met a couple of times. I think the other time was Crawley when he was doing his 24-hour when he ran a phenomenal distance um, when he was fighting against Alex Weirty. They were going for like proper high distances. Um, and then you've got Kirsten, who was also coached by Norman as well. We've all got different disciplines. And Mike approached me before it went live and said, how do you feel? I didn't really know what I was signing up for, if I'm honest with you. But because I really like him and I've got a good relationship with him, even if there was no gain for me because it helps someone else and I like them as a person, then why wouldn't you? And it's just really flourished from there. Being able to go on training camps, we're off to Italy in July um, and it will be expenses paid. Um, we do everything possible to really push and promote it because we all feel really proud. And it's really nice to see this little group of runners that have got this extra layer to their outside friendships and everyone else they see every day. So I love it, really love it. And it, we're getting a lot of support with, you know, things like the stress test stuff, um, VO2 max, that it's all there. We don't have to take it. And then you've got the training as well. And then obviously the support from each other and congratulations, because we all need our ego rub sometimes. And it's nice to feel recognised. And then you get the write-ups, you get the social media. Most of us in that team are not great at social media just because we've got day jobs. We're busy doing other stuff. So actually these fantastic photos that get taken boosting it getting ultra running out there which I feel is always overlooked because we don't get any funding really let's face it you get a GB vest you get an opportunity but we're not track athletes so we don't get funding from UKA or any type of sponsorship so this is the wonderful thing about it what a great opportunity and being one of the first so I love it awesome okay. you said it's a little group but it's a little special group because there's special, special, thing, special <laughs> things that are happening and gonna happen coming Hopefully. out of that yeah it's brilliant and yeah it, yeah. it was good seeing them all at, at Perth I must say yeah. you could mm. tell that there was that togetherness and and um you know morale I think that's the word you could you could sense it just watch great. yourself with that Murphy one watch yourself with her <laughs> we had our little <laughs> hug at the end no it was great the Scottish team were the loudest of course England people we're always reserved we're all oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> But I, I don't um, you worry about that because we'll make enough noise for everybody up in do. Scotland. Don't you worry about that. Well, um, my sister lives in Scotland and she's married married to a Scottish uh, Scottish guy, and they live in Dundee. So actually, I got picked up from the airport um, and dr driven to the um, hotel from my sister's husband. So I'm used to work, being around Scottish people, loud and proud. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I think it was fun. Okay, so I think we're. We're getting to the end of it, John. Have, have I forgot to ask anything? We know what's coming next. Grand Union Canal, 100Ks in Berlin. And then after that, who the hell knows? Because I don't think there's much stopping. There's not going to be much stopping. No, be a, maybe, maybe three or four days off after that. And then the next thing will be happening. But three or what, four days off, We're back at the start. You mentioned your kids. I'm interested mm -hmm. to know, do your kids run? Um, my daughter did. She used to do track stuff, but she's 20 tomorrow. Um, she's not really gone into it now. And I would never push my children um, into something they don't want to do. I just want to keep them fit. 
my son started to take up the gym now he's 14 now he's allowed to go to the local gym um and he also does a lot of football and he's actually pretty good at running but um I leave my children to make those decisions I'm not one of these pushy parents and as a single parent um I've got bigger fish to fry with pushing them to do their schoolwork or something else you have to pick your battles for children but um I'm just happy my son likes his football so that's the other thing I have to factor in football matches being one of those mums that I have to drop off I don't always stay at the matches because normally I've got to go and do my running as well so I have to squeeze it in but um I'll make sure that he gets his football training as well so but yeah they're not really runners at the moment you never know well happy birthday to your daughter for tomorrow thank you pass on young hearts run for you happy birthday wishes I will do (laughs) we always like to finish up at the end of the podcast with a couple of questions um, Mm and sent you through the first one is something that we call dialect dictionary and it's actually a word or phrase or something maybe local to where you were brought up or um, that 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 you maybe used Mm. in the school playground or something like that one one that that is maybe unfamiliar to us and we use them all the time um, dialect words but we like to explore ones from different parts of the UK so Mm. is there anything at all that is unique to your I don't know I think a lot of when I look back at my school words they weren't even related to running they were things like wicked and pucker <laughs> that's all right it doesn't have to be running away Ed it's, it's, mm. it, it, it's Just, it, when it, and it means something good yeah yeah it? pucker pucker they don't use it anymore kids pucker everything's good pucker everything's pucker. sick now but everything for me back then was wicked and pucker Puck, I think. <laughs> let's bring it back. Let's bring Pucker back. Yeah, bring it back. Let's... It's a great word. P U K K A. Let's yeah. get a trend in. Get a trend in. Yeah, and then... it's almost like what's his name? The guy, um, Jamie Oliver type mm-hmm. of thing that he used to always say. That's right, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry, Sam, I cut you off. That's okay. No, I was going to say, and then if there's any sayings about what you think about with running I do use um get rid of what no longer serves so when there's negativity so going back to that positive mindset that you were asking me about earlier um I try to remind myself if things cause me any type of stress or they're not healthy or it's not good I'll always use that yoga saying because I've heard it so many times come through um almost like meditation get rid of what no longer serves you so if things aren't good in your life anymore adios (laughs) I better not say that to my wife. Right? No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Sam. That's, um, well, what, there's one submission in the dialect dictionary and the other one's just a, a mantra, isn't it? It's like it's more of a... That is kind of my mantra, yeah. actually. And um, when I always get asked, why do you do the things you do? Don't question what you do, just do it. Um, the more you deliberate and you think over things, you're overanalyzing stuff, switch it off. You're wasting time. Don't worry about it. If you know you can do something, try to stay positive and focus on it. Sam, you'd get a job in John's team at work if you ever want to change a career. (laughs) Seriously, man. I do do enablement. In my job, actually, I'm an IT programme manager, so I spend quite a lot of time enabling people in support. I love helping teach people things, and a lot of it is making them believe they can do things. And it's so easy to critique and tell people when they're doing something wrong. But it's amazing, just a couple of positive words or making someone feel good or making an effort to tell them they've done well and telling their manager, you wouldn't believe how much better they'll work with you just by giving them something positive because it's so easy to look at the negatives. So I actually do do it anyway, subconsciously. 
because I know how I would feel when someone tells me something positive rather than criticism. Sam, that life coaching has been a great investment. We all love love getting a wee stroke, don't we? We all love that sort of stuff. And Mm. you know what? It works and obviously works in running, but Mm. more so in life that that works and it's very important Stephen on Stephen though he rolls his eyes at me sometimes I was going to be kindness be kind to folk you know I but, do roll my eyes at you <laughs> but do you, know, no, you, don't, you don't Stephen Stephen practices this as well yeah. but it's often. just about that positivity let's be positive rather than negative it's too consuming and treat people the way you want to be treated and I honestly by doing something nice for someone else when they then do it for you or someone else does I realize it always gets passed on it might not be passing that back on to that particular person that's done something for you but if you give back it's amazing how people will appreciate you more so that's I totally agree with it and it's not just been my life coaching it's just been as you grow into yourself you never really know yourself in your 20s and 30s. You think you do. And it's when you get older, you start to realise what you really want in life. I feel more sure of myself in my 40s than I ever have. I feel in control, basically. And that's just life, isn't it? You get to that point because of where you are in your life. It's taken us that journey to get to where we are. But we understand ourselves better if we pay attention. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. OK. God, I'm definitely, John, I'm definitely going to hate you coming back and listening to this one. Oh, me too. Because <laughs> I, I always like listening back to the podcast after it's because you miss so much when you're, um, you're you're chatting away. But no, definitely. There's, In fact, I might hate to slow it down to half speed just so that my, my brain's got time to kind of digest it all because there's, there's been tons of, we talk, we talk about golden nuggets. There's been there's been lots and lots of golden nuggets. But the last golden nugget that we want to ask you is a really important one. And that is your mm-hmm. submission or submissions, because I think you're deserved of, of, of a brace of two um, based mm-hmm. on the fact that you've just got the 100 mile UK record. I think that's, is that OK, John? I didn't discuss 100%. that with you beforehand. 100%. I know that it's not in the small print. But yeah, so yeah, what well, those songs that are in your ears, I'm going to say ears, not lugs, um, when you're in, when you're needing inspiration, what are they? Um, I like my club classics. I am a girl that used to like to party and I'm a non-drinker and I wasn't drinking back in my party days of clubbing. But I used to like um, Living Dreamer. That was a great song because it makes you feel happy. Um, what other songs do I like? I just anything upbeat that's pop or um, housey. So I'd say the Living Dreamer would be my number one. And then I quite like Lady Gaga when she did Ariana Grande with Rain on Me. So when the weather is <laughs> really pants outside, uh-huh. I actually almost do a rain dance. <laughs> to that song but it's quite passionate so I like things that make you feel good and it makes me feel good because there's energy in it so yeah energy songs and that's what I put on my headphones and my music when I was running around the track if you pick a certain beats per minute almost because you can actually find those um out on different tracks or if you look into the apple store you can find ones that do 145 beats per minute or something like that i find ones that are quite high tempo and then when it gets into the evenings if i'm doing a 24 hour then i go for the slightly slower ones right Ah, it's done it's almost like your mind how you're feeling you reflect it on your mood of your music 
Oh, John, maybe that's an idea for the future. Maybe we need to have young hearts run free playlists at different BPMs for different yeah. moments and races. Um, <laughs> and, and such. So, if you can get the John Bob Marley playlist, we can get that one. Yeah, <laughs> and we just nice and slow. Well, I'd be wanting to lay on a catamaran, drinking <laughs> something and eating chill out yeah. food. That would not make me want to run, John. <laughs> we could get a nice non-alcoholic rum to go with that and we could yeah. just lie back and listen to some Bob Marley. <laughs> just for a wee bit. And then we'll get right. a, a Can I bring you back into the room? You haven't <laughs> in the Bahamas quite yet. Um, yeah. Um, okay, thank you very much, Sam. Sam, you've been really, really generous with your time. Thank That's you okay. very much. It's been an absolute um, privilege getting to speak to you and get a real, real insight into what makes you tick. And um, I'm, I'm just thinking how incredibly versatile you are with your range of, you know, your your distances. You're able mm. to to still put in what is, you know, sterling. 10k times um, and probably if you went into the park run you you would you know shame John and I quite <laughs> a lot um, and, and stuff but no it's, it's been great just getting a, a wee bit of uh, um, that that depth of what makes you tick it's been it's been really really interesting and like I say I'm definitely going to have to listen to it again sure. maybe maybe a few times. John? The, the thing that's jumping out at me is the resilience you've come through quite a lot i've read some mm -hmm. of your stuff as well you've come through quite a lot and you've you've spoken openly and honestly tonight about some of the things you went through as well but your resilience and i think it's that always learning you know mm -hmm. and I, I think that encourages it should encourage everybody that we're never finished we're never done we can always mm -hmm. recover we can always get bigger we can always get better and you're living proof of that. Sam, I have really, I mentioned earlier I was ultra inspired. Honestly, that's exactly what I feel tonight. And sometimes when we do these conversations with guests, it's mm. almost like you're speaking directly into my brain. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm taking away from this. Like Stephen, I will have to go back and listen to this again because we've covered so much ground. But I knew this was going to be a good one. I, and you know what? And it's excelled that. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Pleasure. Oh, awesome. Great meeting you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Get your logs in this.